This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, for what will be your Thursday edition of Locked On Browns as we move on through the bye week. Um, quiet? No, never. Not around these parts here, at least. Uh, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith from Browns Maven, obviously, you know, under the SI umbrella. Your local experts on the biggest stories for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, Pete, there are a million ways we could probably start this one today. Um, but just trying to basically, you know, keep up with the notes, so to speak. Um, Austin Corbett moved on from yesterday off to the Los Angeles Rams. If we went through this one about six months ago, we probably figured it was going to be an early draft pick of the 18 draft class that was going to move on quickly. Um, but Austin Corbett, uh, it, it just never clicked, Pete. There was never a spot for him. And then it got to the pot where the spot, the, the point where he wasn't a good enough rotational piece because there were, were other backups who were better. It just, it, you hate to lose on pick number 33 overall, but it, it's yeah. I don't disagree with moving on from him by any means whatsoever. Right. Uh, there were many people who thought, you know, he should have been cut, um, making the final roster for the regular season. I, I'm glad they didn't, if for no other reason than big athletic athletic bodies on the offensive line always have value. Uh, and as bad as he may be. Uh, you still get a fifth-round pick in 2021, which is not much. Um, and that, that, that would be a sixth this coming year, which is you know basically what you got for Justin Gilbert, which somebody actually gave you something for Justin Gilbert. But um, you know when you have a <laughs> bunch of assets this year and you can sort of wait, it's just going to be sort of a found fifth-round pick ultimately. I mean, it's obviously disappointing to lose out on the 33rd overall pick, and there are a bunch of really nice players. Uh, that were sitting there that you missed out on, but uh, at least you're coming away with. You can't say that, Pete. They're going to yell at you for saying that. But go ahead. Um, and you know, hopefully, this uh, means that they're going to go ahead and extend J.C. Treader, um, since you know they don't really have a good center option in place unless they ultimately want Eric Cush to do that job. I mean, it's more and more seeming like they are going to make this treasure thing happen. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. But nevertheless, uh, that part of this could be good news, so we'll see. Uh, and look, I mean, it's going to be, make for a weird dynamic um, from the guys over at the OBR, because you guys question whether or not, you know, I don't know, we credit them. Um, guys, I don't – I talk information with the guys from the OBR. It's not like I'm ever stealing their information. Uh, Drew Forbes – it seems get, hopefully it's getting close, um, and that may have facilitated this move as well. Um, and always the Orange Brown Report, Pete and I, we're fans. Uh, not to mention we're friends with the guys. So, like, I will tell you when I use their information. So for anybody who's going to go that route. Um, this is where, Pete, and we talked about this the other night before, and obviously maybe we'll spend a minute or two on the Trent, uh, Trent Williams, yada, yada. But um, maybe there's an in-house upgrade. Um, Eric Cush right now becomes the second string center. Do you want to risk Eric Cush at right guard? Wyatt Teller got a little taste last Sunday. We had talked about the fact if you were going to adjust the offensive line, maybe the bye week was the week to do all of these things. 
it's going to be really interesting to look for what will be the next step chart come, I guess, probably Tuesday. Well, when LeBron's got Wyatt Teller in, um, they said they were confident he could snap. So I don't know if that's on any indication of anything. Uh, certainly, I hope Wyatt Teller is going to get uh, ultimately take over that starting right guard job. Uh, he had one glorious play uh, against the Seattle Seahawks um, while Cush was getting evaluated and then jumped right back in there. Um, so yeah, I certainly hope that's where this is going. Uh, I think Cush is more uh, suited to be a rotational, uh, you know, a, a guy who can be a backup center or guard, give you some spot starts if you need to, but he's just not a guy who uh, drives people off the ball. He's a finesse blocker on the off, uh, as a run blocker, and he's a solid pass protector. But uh, it's tough because you know you you want to be able to you know get get behind your pads and drive forward, and they can't really do that with him in there, and certainly not with Chris Hubbard in there. Uh, well, yeah, obviously. Um, for me, the final thing, Austin Corbett, and those that I I spoke, you know briefly messaged with and stuff of that was, you know, the question of being able to sustain the blocks, whether it was passing game, whether it was running game. Um, it's great to be a big, you know, physical, well, I don't want to say physical, big athletic offensive lineman, but there's also that nasty side to it. And that was kind of, and look guys, uh, you know, the kind of guy John Dorsey is, that was something in, you know, that's tough where to get a read of it on tape. It's a tough to get a read from it on scouts. Um, it's, you know, you moved on. Look, I, you know, and I yeah, I put it out yesterday and maybe the tweet at the wrong time. I had put it out in just general. Um, but, you know, if you all really, really liked Kevin Zeitler, granted, they were never happy with John Dorsey wasn't happy with his contract. But if you really like Kevin Zeitler, you could have just drafted Harold Landry and, and still kept Kevin Zeitler because. But, you know, it's, it's stuff we told you guys in 2018. So it's not tooting our own horn, but. I do not want to hear guys, people come at us on social media with the, oh, well, that's after the fact. It's not after the fact. It's documented. <laughs> Go ahead and find the episodes. They exist. They're there, Pete. Yeah, I'm uh, not second guessing. It was pre guessing, first guessing, whatever you want. Uh, Harold Landry, uh, if you wanted an offensive lineman, I was a big Connor Williams guy. Uh, he ultimately went to the Dallas Cowboys as one of their guards. Um, I think he's built for tackle, super young guy, very athletic. Uh, but the bottom line is there were a number of players. Uh, obviously, they got Nick Chubb, and he's arguably the, the second best back in the league. But, yeah. 30, Which 30 right now you would say, you want to know what? If we got Nick, where we got him, it's almost like he can accept the fact that you blew the other pick blew out of the water because you got one. I mean, essentially, guys, right now Nick Chubb is one of the top five running backs in the game. Yeah. Uh, I don't work that way. You missed, You blew it. Uh, you had an opportunity. No, but I mean, look, for the, for those who want to go that route, but uh, look, I mean, there was Will Hernandez, and we had talked about that. And then you go deeper. Yeah, there was that another, was the other cornerback from LSU. Really, yep. Yeah, if you really wanted to go ahead and, and get a guard uh, to move on for, for with Kevin Settler, obviously that would have been the guy, and he's Darius uh, Leonard. doing very well for the New York Giants. So, yeah, it's um, it was a pick that was too cute by half. Um, if you wanted an offensive lineman, there were better offensive linemen. If you wanted a, uh, just a player, there were better players. So it's whatever. Ultimately, I think what will make up for the Corbett failure will be Wyatt Teller. Uh, but that's got to prove itself out because I think Teller was a better prospect in that class. 
um, and that's documented if we want to go that route. Uh, he was the fourth, fourth best guard <laughs> to me in that class. Uh, Corbett was like middling center. But in any case, I think that will ultimately um, make up for that. And, and I've given John, John Dorsey credit for maybe being unwilling to, you know, admit failure <clears throat> as fast as people would like, but he does account for them. In this case, trading for Wyatt Teller in what I think was a really, really good trade, acquiring Justin McRae, uh, obviously signing Eric Cush, and then uh, now we you, the you've traded you've traded uh, Austin Corbett, you know, essentially for for uh, a similar price as you paid for Wyatt Teller. So if in fact Wyatt Teller is like the long term right guard and and really hammers that home, that that would be the uh, complete redemption of that miss. But obviously, it's it's his biggest, most high profile miss to this point it, it, it's what it is at this point um look you know i can go through that second round and pete look guys that was the huge draft as far as getting this franchise right um you know, we gave you we covered a little bit of daylights out of that um we highlighted a ton a ton of players um if you want to say we took a gamble because some of us felt austin Corbett could be a left tackle i mean I'm not okay with it. That was going to be the case. No, no. And then they had no plan to move Batonio. And honestly, Greg Robinson honestly fell in in their lap 10 days before camp. Um, You covered your butt, but, you know, you did swing and missed on that one. Which, by the way, is important. Go ahead. That's obviously an important part of this is being able to uh, not put all your eggs in the proverbial basket. CYA. Yeah, I mean, you got to be able to come up with plan B, C, and obviously they mentioned it at the time, all the way to plan Z. Uh, and and they've done that, and obviously they've got to continue to do that because they're, you know, their tackles aren't good, and they've got to uh, hopefully they have the right guard in-house. Well, maybe they even have the right tackle in-house, and we'll see maybe over the next month or so. Peloton is offering a limited time offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and go get a great cardio workout at home. Go to onepeloton.com and use the promo code locked on to get started. God bless you all. The last thing I need in my life is any form of exercise. Pete, I guess why don't we just go here? Um, Look, uh, say his name again. What is it? Steve Dorch. I always mess that one up. Steve Dorchick. Okay, so it's not, a, it, it's not our buddy. Okay, and it's not Craig Dorch, who just went from the Jets to the Carolina Panthers. Um, but he was obviously, you know, his information was big, along with the guys, you know, with the OBR, with the Odell talks. Um, nothing seemed to come here. Pete, the more and more I'm getting the vibe is maybe there's teams trying to knock on Washington's door, but let's just be in, we'll call a spade a spade. Dan Snyder's a freaking jerk. And I, I don't think he's going to do Trent Williams a favor unless it truly behooves him. He's really just that much of a jerk. At the very least, he's one of the most stubborn owners in the league, as illustrated by the fact that Bruce Allen still works there. Um, and this has been his pattern since he, <laughs> since he bought the team. Um, 
that when he feels like he's being slighted in some way or somebody's taking control of something, um, look, he is a team that owns the, the franchise, the Washington Redskins, and has sued multiple newspapers for what he felt were anti-Semitic headlines or something like that. You can Google it, whatever. Um, so when this whole thing came about, uh, it was when, you know, when Trent, Trent Williams decided he w- refused to play because of the way the metal, medical staff handled his situation, uh, that da- Daniel Snyder essentially said was going to punish him uh, and, and make it a, you know, you play for us, you play for nobody. And there were a lot of people who wanted to do that with Josh Gordon. Um, and he has been offered packages before reportedly once the new England Patriots had offered a first round pick for Trent Williams and they they refused Um, the Patriots uh, disputed the report saying it wasn't true, but that is what all Washington was reporting. John Dorsey has acknowledged as he's at least talked to Bruce Allen, but all the reporting continues to be that it's not even a topic of conversation. It's entirely Daniel Snyder's call. And they're not going to make that move. And if you are, you know, if you if it's a fact-finding thing and you're just trying to figure out what the price is, I totally understand it. If you are trying to, can you know, essentially bid against yourselves to make a sweet enough offer that uh, that they would be willing to sort of go back on on this point, they want to make a point that you can't hold out to get out of Washington that. You know, they, they, they want to, you know, nip this in the bud right now uh, that, you know, you make a lucrative enough, lucrative enough offer to get them to give up uh, Williams. You know, I, who knows what that looks like? But if it, you know, if it, you're trying to negotiate yourself up, potentially a first round pick, potentially more than that, to convince them otherwise, you are making a bad, bad, bad decision. And there's any number of reasons why it's bad. In, a, in addition to the fact that you don't know what Trent Williams is doing, uh, you know, even if he's keeping himself relatively in shape, it's not like he's, you know, in football shape. He hasn't been hitting anything. Um, he uh, He's 31, which isn't ancient or anything, uh, but he's got two years of $11 million each, which is very cheap for an offensive tackle. But – the Browns have salary cap issues, and that is one more salary that you'd have to account for, especially if it goes on this year's salary cap. Um, it would go into that uh, the, the the rollover cap, Over cap. Sure. even though it's you know would only be part of the season, whatever. But still, it would impact that, and you would potentially lose a player uh, in free agency to make up for this. Uh, obviously, it, it would be a very short-term looking move because this is a move you could have theoretically made in July and had him ready to go and contributing and in the offense and everything accounted for around him and all those things. So it just, it's desperate. It's, uh, it's not very smart from a asset standpoint, a first round pick, assuming that was what would it would cost um, is obviously a very nicely cost controlled uh, contract, which is what the Browns need. And if they were to get, their offensive tackle, presumably that's what they are going to do with that first pick. Um, that would be cheap. And if they can play very cheap and cost effective 
for an offensive line that theoretically would have three guys on rookie contracts, which is beautiful, uh, and two guys making premium salaries, which is fine because they're worth it. But you don't. If, if the goal here is to sort of mitigate costs, Trent Williams ain't the way to get there. It cost you Treader. It could cost you what is Baker's comfort zone in the interior. You've already gone one less from that, and you're already starting to see that maybe I'm not going to blame it on that, but maybe it's causing some sort of the decline. Uh, look, Joe Schobert, look, I understand the writing on the wall, but it automatically cost you a guy like that. You And Trent Williams at his age for $11 million, what would at this point maybe be eight, nine games, not in counting playoffs, if he's healthy for them all, which is certainly a question mark at his age and everything he's been through, or float as you are now, address that in round one and make a you know enough money where it's not going to cost you J.C. Treader. Um, it still could cost you Schobert Tr- and Randall, whatever. I mean, God knows where John is with all this stuff, but try to keep some of it in. That's the perfect scenario is at least keep Joel and J.C. in-house. A number one, they're tight. The thickest thieves, they're cohesive, and it seems like everybody else kind of works around those two. That's the direction you do and build your, you know, offensive line. And we're not talking. I mean, everybody with the contracts, oh five, blah, blah, blah. no. I mean, it's every contract, two, maybe three years max. It's the best way to address the, you know, situation at this point. Pete, uh, I let's, let's go to this one here and just slip this in. And this annoys the living daylights out of me. Miles Garrett, who it's like crazy weird how awesome he is for this fan base, whether it's, you know, hosting a Game of Thrones party, getting a dog, a week later throwing a a party at a dog park for everybody and their dogs, where his dog's crapping in his car on the ride there. And for, you know, A number one, I mean, I give him credit because somebody says, hey, could you just pull over real quick? We're going to take a picture of famous or not. I've got my doubts about the person's intentions. Takes the picture, the dude throws a sucker, but it's just, this stuff is just asinine. Uh, yeah, it feels like, you know, you're essentially, you know, punching a uh, a priceless work of art or something like there. I don't know <laughs> who can sort of possibly be, you know, against Miles Garrett or whatever, uh, trying to make a name for yourself or whatever, if that's the case. Um, and there's going to be inevitably video or something coming out of the actual incident. Uh, I hope that guy gets everything that's coming to him. Uh, and should be a pariah. I mean, it's not like you, you don't have to like football, but clearly he knew who he was. Um, you don't have to like whatever, but it's not like even if you could care less about this team or the sport or whatever, it's very difficult to argue that uh, he is not good for this city, this region, whatever. And he just seems to make uh, other than the opponent's quarterback, uh, everybody, you know, everybody better around him uh, from randomly helping out people to whatever. He's like, you know, Clark Kent, Batman type. Situation. Buying people brand new stuff, buying people brand new Eiffel store. Cause I mean, it's just like, and, and I don't want to make this this long of a point, but everybody complains about the way celebrities pro athletes are. Here's one doing, Oh my God, like amazingly cool stuff. And he's got to deal with this BS. It's, you know, guess what? When he starts saying no to people, and those who want to say, oh, well, you know, screw him, F him, whatever. Think about the hole you dug because, and look, 
it sounds stupid, but now you got to have your head on a swivel as Miles Garrett. If one guy does it and it's going to get some headlines, there's another loon right behind him who wants to do the same stupid garbage. Well, I hope not. Um, obviously, at least for the moment, he seems pretty much uh, fine with the situation other than, you know, being justifi- justifiably annoyed. Uh, but, you know, at least to this point, he's not suggesting any drastic changes or anything. And obviously, this incident was pr- particularly weird as he was in his car. Um, it's not like he was out in public at an event or something. It just happened to be in essentially traffic. So uh, it's annoying from that standpoint. It's one of those things where, like, you know, for an area that's sort of sensitive about how they're perceived as a fan base, you know, and obviously it's a lone person type event, but still it just doesn't make anybody look good. Uh, and obviously, you know, it's now it's something that's going to be talked about like here or other places. And it's inevitably going to be associated with Cleveland, uh, Northeast Ohio, whatever. And, you know, that's never what you want to see. Uh, it's this. actually put in that like look, Don Clayton's just like cool he's like a I guess yeah I don't want to say a, a Mount Rushmore Pete but John Clayton's been doing this forever uh but it's obvious I mean who is happy right now the players aren't happy they're two and four uh the coaching staff's not happy um you know and in John Dorsey as much as it all oh, we're putting our best product together but maybe it's a year away I mean you make moves for Odell and the moves they made the pressure was on it's no shock that, you know, and look, I don't believe in any way that people's really jobs are at stake. But, yeah, I mean, especially because it's the bye week. Because when you come off the bye week, you're going to New England. Yeah, I mean, shit's amped up. Tensions are running. There's no doubt about it. I guess. I mean, again, I think uh, from the tone of the press conference, uh, it, it it just feels like, um, they are taking this relatively in stride. They're not happy about it, but they sort of understand the situation in terms of the schedule and the growing pains and those type of things. Um, obviously, very supportive of uh, Freddie Kitchens uh, and, and you know full-throated support there. I don't know what people are expecting from that standpoint. Um, he hired him. It's so obviously you know if it, if it doesn't work, it's going to make him look bad. Uh, but I think, yeah, you know, and obviously he preached patience quite a bit. So I think, um, for the most part, you know, as as much as they sort of understand that, you know, they 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 have to get better. They clearly feel like a it will happen, and b they're pretty confident in where it where it's already happening, where it's already going in terms of that direction. And thank God, thank God, he still believes in Baker Mayfield. I I, I wasn't sure. But thank God we got that question out because we had to find out. Um, and then the other thing of is, have you talked to Washington? Uh, look, we're two weeks before the trade deadline. Ever, obviously, everybody's talking to everybody. It's it, – it, I'm looking at the clock here. We got enough time. Pete, it's freaking pathetic. You know, And you get your GM once a month, and this is the monotony you truly – 
ask him, um, you know, talk to him about his moves. Hey, Ricky Seals Jones, what do you think about that? How has that worked out? Um, we just obviously moved on from Austin Corbett. Is there, it's everything is so in you? Know, I don't, and maybe it's a bad thing that John sat down on a bye week because there's no way they could translate to you know a next game or whatever. But I mean, every freaking drop of it, Pete, was hey, give me a National Enquirer beat. Something, I, you know, whatever, I can get put on there with, you know, the cat woman who ate her dog. It's nonsense. Well, I mean, you know, in, in the regular season, you basically get the one press conference. Um, you get the bye week. And unless they make a major, major move or major, major announcement, that's it. So, uh, again, maybe I'm too far in the weeds on this. Maybe I'm too inside football in this case. But it just felt so lame to keep asking questions that were asked questions for a coach, uh, you know, about his, de- you know, his development or whatever. Do uh, you still believe him? What's he going to say? Like, let's say he doesn't. What's he going to say? Like, is he going to say, you know, no. I really want to get Gary Gilbert some snaps. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. Like, it's insane on, on, on the on the forefront. But, yeah, it's that type of stuff. Or just it felt like. In some part, like I thought, Nate Ulrich asked a really interesting question. He didn't get the, you know, he didn't get John Dorsey really bite on it, but he's asking about in-house options on the offensive line, Thank and he you. got sort of the answer. But that was at least an insightful question. Like, in some respects, it felt like they don't know what the GM does. Like, I, I'm confused because there were a lot of interesting things you could have asked about, and, and you mentioned Ricky Jones. That would have been a great, great thing to touch on because he would have gotten to puff on his chest a little bit and. And in that case, he probably would have been able to fold that into sort of praising Freddie Kitchens, if that's... Well, Ryan Lindley, I mean, people who knew him, exactly. Right. The Ken Zambezi question was painful. Uh, It's just that, that was brutal. But yeah, I mean, obviously I'm interested in, you know, I I would love to know, get a sense of where he's at on J.C. Treader and Joe Schobert, even if he's not willing to sort of comment on, you know, so the business negotiation part of this whole thing. You like the tone, like the tone. Like, was it like a? We'd yeah. like to see that get done, or oh, we'll see how things play out. I mean, that or, or you know, those even simple if, lines if, mean a lot. Even if you're just going to say, you know, we're not going to, I'm not going to get into, you know, any contract negotiations or that. But insert player has been so and so and so and so, you know, and and you may be able to potentially read something into that uh yeah, exactly before. where it would have been of we'd love you know we'll see how things go as opposed to oh we got a lot on our table if we see how things go maybe the door is open if we got a lot on our table guess what doors slam the hell shut so like you know obviously they did the gymnastics move to get drew forbes into the ability to be declared eligible to return from injured reserve um you know, if you wanted to ask it in terms of, you know, you did this right at the start of the season, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's been on injured reserve, you know, where is he, you know, are you planning on, on bringing him back, et cetera, or David Njoku, obviously, you know, he didn't have the surgery, uh, where is he in his health? Does that mean he's going to need surgery after the season to deal, you know, more permanently deal with this? Is he going to be ready by theoretically week 10 when he's eligible? Like those are, GM questions that you could ask Freddie, and ultimately he's either going to say, you know, he can't comment on it, or that's you know above pay grade or whatever. 
this is the guy who makes that decision. And you had it there and you got a lot of, you know, a couple interesting questions, but for the most part, very benign, not even base level questions asking about, you know, the quarterback and that type of asking if he's concerned about Denzel Ward being injury prone, like, ugh. that, yeah, it, that stuff just, it's very difficult to sort of listen to that. And again, it, it's possible that we're just too far in the weeds. And these are the questions people really want to want to ask, but I, I doubt it. Well, and for me, the last one would have been, well, is you lost Christian Kirksey. You brought up a linebacker from the practice squad and Willie Harvey. You lost him. You didn't bring another linebacker. There's no other linebacker on the practice squad. I mean, these are good questions. And you'd love to hear what comes with it, but it's, you know, so much, hey, you know, yada, yada, yada. Is, you know, are you going to sink your battleship on Baker Mayfield now through six weeks in year two? <sighs> Guys, it is what it is. It's frustrating. But here's a good thing that can help you around it all. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and the meal you want, whether it's the franchise restaurant in your area, whether it's the local restaurant in your area. Use the DoorDash app. Download it. Download it through Google, through Apple. $5 off your first order of $15 or more. And look, even if you're single, spend the 15 spend the 20 bucks, get something that you can eat tomorrow night, get an appetizer you can throw in the fridge, reheat it tomorrow, and a burger, whatever. Use the DoorDash app. Download, like I said, Google, Apple. Go ahead, use the promo code, all caps, Locked On DoorDash. Thank you for the sponsorship of Locked On Browns. Uh, I guess we'll close with this, Pete. And this has been one, and I put it up today. The the difference between Rashard Higgins, we got plenty of time. We'll find something else to put in here. The difference between wanting Rashard Higgins over Antonio Callaway and a lot of people, oh, well, he's going to go on a, Trent, a possible Trent Williams deal. Rashard Higgins doesn't have a contract after, after this year. Rashard Higgins is a smart, dedicated player. Uh, I don't believe there's any guarantee if he was traded to Washington, unless it was a King's ransom, he'd stick around there. He's an intelligent guy. He sees the writing on the wall and a lot goes on with that franchise. Um, and why it's over Callaway. Uh, the thing is, even if Rashard Higgins gets kind of hurt, you accept it because it, he got hurt giving you his all Antonio Callaway. The reason you lose Antonio Callaway is because he's not, focused on everything else that goes along with being a professional athlete. Why Rashard Higgins is so important to the passing offense of the Browns. Odell and Jarvis, and I don't want to use the term Pete Cadillac, and maybe I'll use more of a juice, is they, they're a little bit – the way they, they run routes with a little more juice, pizzazz to them, trying to make an extra step. And not running it traditionally. And I think that's where Baker and Rashard have their great relationship is because Rashard like does it to the letter. He's kind of like the company guy. And this is zero disrespect to Odell and Jarvis. Obviously, the stats show it. But every now and then, you need that steady Eddie type of thing. And that's what Rashard Higgins is. Right. I mean, he and Antonio Callaway are very different receivers. Uh, Antonio Callaway is more of an explosive One's guy. a receiver. The other one's an athlete playing receiver right now. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to put it. Um, you're hoping he becomes a receiver and, you know, an adult. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're very different 
styles of receiver. They're complementary to each other theoretically. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know why we are talking about trading any of them at this point. I don't know who would want Callaway. I don't know why the Browns would want to give away, uh, you know, a player like Higgins uh, because you'd get basically nothing. Um, for Between the both of them, you'd get a day three pick, which is what the two of them are. They're day three picks. So why would you move on from them? Right. I mean, they they are they have far more value to theoretical value to the Browns than they do anyone else. It's something. There's a deep issue with obviously, um, Pete. This is what we uh, one we got into talking about today is Kareem Hunt. Uh, obviously, you know it'll be two games away, but it's the two running back personnel and all the stuff you can do from it. And we talk about this all the time is you want to be able to show everything you want and getting to dictate to them as opposed to having it dictated to you, which they did a good job early against Seattle with, but finding a way to just use all this personnel and make it gel. And maybe there's too much for, you know, obviously Freddie kitchens in his first, you know, head coaching gig and he's trying to mesh with Todd Munkin and everything's trying to get figured out. But they've got to find a way to get it all together. And Kareem Hunt, who is a guy who does not need a boatload of touches to succeed with. And there's folks who are getting nervous with it. There's folks who are excited about it. They've got to find a way to like get this flow going over here over the next two weeks. Because then you have yet another big plate you got to feed. Um, I, you know, I don't. First, they, they it's not like a new thing. They planned for this uh, in training camp in the preseason and all that. It's not like, you know, he's showing up for the first time ever. Um, so I'm not too worried about that part of it. Um, and I'm not really worried about incorporating more weapons. The entire issue. Uh, has been the offensive line and 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 the and how much is needed to sort of make sure it can do its job, which is where some of the personnel is going, unfortunately. Um, so I don't worry so much about you know incorporating Chubb with with Hunt and I, I mean I'm hoping I see them both on the field and those type of things. Uh, I, it's entirely a question of. Can they get it done up front? Because if they can, then, then you know, you can do basically whatever you want. And and they have in the past and been successful with it, occasionally getting too cute. But for the most part, they, they do a nice job with it. So um, that's the only concern I have is if you can get it done up front, then there there's no issue. It's if you run into issues with the offensive line and you have to, you know, spend assets essentially in the form of tight ends or whatever to sort of bolster that, then it becomes more likely to be an either or situation in terms of Chubb versus Hunt and what that means and how that looks. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking, you know, I, I'm, you guys know our feelings there of guys like this, but you know, looking forward to covering the player. I'm, I am looking forward to it. And the other thing is I, I just think they can hopefully have more options and I'm hoping it's necessarily a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing. Pete, we're getting close here to an end. Um, look, bye week, NFL-wise, Browns-wise. Um, thoughts here after six? 
And it's crazy because we talk about it all the time. Nothing goes faster. No, I mean, look, I, I have a lot of faith that the bye week will cure many of the ills. Maybe I'm I'm setting myself up for a letdown. but Hopefully health-wise, but yeah. I am uh, more optimistic, I suppose, in part because I, you know, this is largely where I expected the Browns to be at this point, and I always expect the the uh, bye week was going to really help, especially the new pieces they've added, and get more uh, comfortable, get better chemistry, and those type of things. So that's where I'm at at this point. I expect they will come out better in the second half. They're going to have to because obviously they play the Patriots in Foxborough immediately and they've got to deal with Denver and some of these other teams that, uh, you know, the Browns are better than, but they have to go out and prove it, particularly in terms of protecting the football if they're going to beat these teams. And if they don't do that, then they're going to take themselves right out of the season. But uh, I think they will address some of the issues that they've had, come out more effectively. I think they pick up a lot of steam in the second half, partly because they get better uh, and more consistent, and partly because the schedule sort of guides them to that direction anyway. Pete, did you happen to see who was the AFC Defensive Player of the Week this week? No. Devin Bush. Oh, the uh, Christmas gift recipient. I understand. Um, yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> if Philip Rivers is effectively saying – you know, here you go, free football, and Devin Bush happens to be there. That's, that's very impressive. And then the ball gets tipped up and right into his hands. Yeah, great job. Uh, you've earned it, and certainly uh, you've made it happen. I think that I saw some weird stat that he's got, like, some obscene amount of re- fumble recoveries. And, like, more than Patrick Willis had in his – you know, pretty close to more than Patrick Willis had in his entire career. So the ball is literally bouncing the right way for one Devin Bush. I think he's a great player. It just happens to have uh, the first two possessions of that San Diego or the Los Angeles Chargers. Nice, uh, correct. Nice. Right to him. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, um, but look, good player. Um, obviously playing well and obviously did not want him where his current home is. Pete, Browns maybe and Liberty know what's going on. Uh, yeah. So it's bye week. So there's a lot of stuff dealing with where the Browns uh, are, where they can get better, all those things. In addition to the weird amount of news that keeps popping up. So there's always something coming up. Yeah. I mean, you never thought you would have to, uh, report on a star player stopping to take a picture and having some jackass take a sucker punch on him. It's, it's just, I, I can't even with that. Um, for Pete Smith, obviously, uh, Browns Maven on Twitter, obviously check out everything over there, SA.com, click on the Cleveland Browns uh, helmet, find your way to everything that, uh, you know, Pete and obviously the little team over there is putting out and they're doing a great job and, you know, always happy for Pete and the work he's doing over there. The show itself at Locked On Browns, all lowercase, follow back account, DMs are open, guys, uh, thought, show ideas, whatever, stuff you don't want to put on the Twitter timeline, you know, you can go there. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open. Uh, It's a blast. Um, And we're trying to get through this year and obviously everybody together. Um, Brighter days are coming. Nobody thought two and four. Or at least, even if you thought two and four, you thought it a highly, more highly contested two and four. Uh, That's where we're at. Um, We're uh, still more coming through the bye week here. 
And then we'll get right back into it with the week in New England. Uh, got some good stuff lined up Patriots-wise. Breathe, kids. Breathe. Um, it's you know, still there's 10 to go. That's where we're at. LGB. I'm sorry. This has been New Daily Delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LLB. Let's go, Brown.